Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. All right, so what are we talking about on the podcast this week? Yeah, we're talking about something kind of triggering, which like is already in our show notes. We always put trigger warnings down there, but I just want to give an extra trigger warning. Um, we are talking about transmedicalism on the podcast this week, um, and we're trying to approach it from like an informative and hopefully somewhat humorous point of view, and also like a these are the ways that we could work together, not with all transmedicalists, but. We could be more together than we are currently. We could work. Co- we could be more cohesive as a community. Right, but it is still about transmedicalism. So that can be a really challenging <laughs> yeah. topic for a lot of trans folks. If I mean, for any reason that's not your jam, and you can't, you don't want to interact with that stuff right now. We have a lot of other really fun episodes. Check out the bathing suit one from last week. That was no no struggles there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is a topic that I mean, like, I have some personal experience with it being a very challenging one from early in my transition. So like, we are going to try and be sensitive to that. But it is kind of a tough one. So, you know, and we're also not really talking about like the dramatic trans medicalists, because like, fuck them. We're talking about people who are a little bit more aligned with our values. We will uh, just that's just the quick heads up here. But to get started off with this episode, I guess, what what kind of inspired this episode? Why are you? Why did you decide this was a good one to talk about today, this week? Well, it all started when Reddit changed their algorithms. <laughs> As listeners probably know, Reddit is basically the only social media site that I regularly use personally. And a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago now, Reddit did this absolutely horrendous thing where they started doing like suggested communities, but instead of just suggesting the communities like they always have, they would pull the top post from a suggested community and just like put it in your feed as though you already followed that community which is like okay if their algorithm on guessing what communities you would be interested in was better but it's not better so i follow a lot of trans subreddits not surprisingly and so it was like you know what you would love r slash true scum it's great so then they started putting a bunch of trans medicalist posts like in my feed which was horrible. There's a if you use Reddit and it's done that to you, there's a way to turn it off. We'll put that in the show notes. Like I'll show I'll, there's a step I'll put step by step instructions on how to turn it off because like I almost stopped using Reddit because of this stupid feature. Yeah. But that made me look at r slash true scum and be like, what the fuck does true scum mean? Because I didn't know. And then I kind of fell down a rabbit hole, and it's really quite an interesting little community that they got going on over there interesting interesting that's how i that's how we arrived here at an episode gender journeys that makes sense so give us a quick little rundown what is true scum what is transmedicalism how are they related are they the same thing what is the what what is this kind of yeah so like they are the same thing and r slash true scum or true scum in general i think is a bit of a broader 
definition. It includes people that are less stringent in their transmedicalist beliefs. So from my understanding, like the most stringent part of transmedicalism is basically like if you don't want bottom surgery, you're not a real trans person. And also non-binary people don't exist. Straight up. (laughs) Right, right. Transmedicalism is the idea that being transgender is in fact a medical disorder and you have to have medical intervention to address it. And in the most stringent form that's really caught up on bottom surgery, Mm -hmm. which I just... We'll probably end up doing a whole nother episode on this, but I was just reading a book called Normal Life by Dean Spade, which I suggest to everybody, and it had a fantastic statistic. For those of my darlings who would like to follow along, this is on page 80 of Normal Life by Dean Spade. According to a 2009 study, 80% of transgender women and 98% of transgender men had not undergone genital surgery. So I just bring that up to point out that like bottom surgery in particular is such a privilege, especially for trans men, mm-hmm. because like phalloplasty requires like three surgeries minimum. It's like a whole fucking thing. Right. So anyway, trans medicalists are really hung up on bottom surgery, especially, which is just beyond inaccessible to your average trans person. Right. So then true scum is kind of like a broader definition. I mm-hmm. think true scum would be more defined by you have to have dysphoria in order to be trans. Right. And that's how I understand a lot of the kind of broader trans med true scum community in that like not only just you have to have dysphoria but i think a lot of especially the more stringent ones are you have to have diagnosed dysphoria like you have to and crippling dysphoria and crippling dysphoria like you have to go to a mental health provider and say you know that i can't get out of bed every day because of this and then mental health providers be like okay dysphoria gender dysphoria disorder whatever it's called right now in the dsm right and then that will unlock the gates for you to, to pursue a transition right and it has that has to be kind of the crux of your transition as well it should be your dysphoria right um and we we've talked about on this podcast before we have a whole episode on gender euphoria mm-hmm. we don't agree with this <laughs> we don't agree with this we we've talked a lot Fundamentally. about how a lot of the rhetoric in like mainstream trans discourse talks about trans identity as being suffering based Yes. Whereas you're allowed to access a trans identity through joy. Right. That's awesome. Which brings us to a third label, which y'all, I think is my new favorite label that I found through this deep dive on Reddit into True Scum. They call people who are have euphoria-driven transitions too cute, T-U, cute, because it stands for too cute to be cis, and I fucking, I love it. I know it's meant to be a dig. It's totally fine if you find it offensive because it's meant to be offensive. Um, however, I fucking love it. <laughs> So the true scum community came up with that. That's how they refer to people who don't have dysphoria-driven transitions or don't have dysphoria or... Right. Which I find very funny that you vibe with that label so much because to my understanding, true scum, Uh it has the word scum in it, was originally meant as a disparaging label that I believe probably came up on like Tumblr or something. It literally, it's true transsexual scum is where it came from. It was a Tumblr user. You're right. I just did this deep dive to confirm these facts. And yes, it was meant to be a dig. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, you know, nicely cyclic that you have discovered this (laughs) disparaging label from this group and been like, you know, what i like that i fucking like it i am too cute to be cis i'm also just not cis but (laughs) (laughs) both Um, these things can be true right exactly right so true scum and transmedicalist are like all transmedicalists are true scum and all true scum are transmedicalist kind of thing kind of although like it's like an umbrella with an umbrella kind of they they are synonymous it's just that transmedicalist i think 
indicates that the person who identifies as transmedicalist probably has a stronger affinity for some of the more bigoted aspects of this. Whereas like on r slash truescum, I've found a lot of people who like, so I found this really interesting thread that I dove into. Again, I just want to be very clear. I don't suggest other people do this. This is very akin to what we call digital harm or digital self-harm. If you just go looking for transphobic shit and then read it, that's, yeah. a, that's a form of self-harm. And I just want to be very clear that I don't think that's what I was doing with this r slash truescum stuff, but... I'm not encouraging other people to do it. <laughs> it's a very real thing that you could uh, stumble into doing if you yeah. were to take a dive on this on your own. Yeah. So anyway, I found this really interesting thread, though, that I read a lot that was people in r slash true scum. So people who identify as true scum arguing with what the minimum to be like properly trans is. So what minimum of dysphoria do you need and what minimum of interacting with the medical community do you need? Like what medical transition steps do you have to at least want in order to be valid? And the conclusion that it seemed to come to, at least in this thread, was that you have to at least want to wake up in the body of the opposite gender. Again, they're not really happy about non-binary people in general. That's a contentious (laughs) concept in true scum. But their argument for binary trans people was like, it's okay if you're trans and for whatever reasons don't like surgery, that's okay. You don't have to want surgery, which is different than trans medicalists. But if you were given the option to just wake up in a body of the opposite sex, you have to want that if you are going to be trans, which does not jive with Josie and I's, as y'all know. (laughs) Definition of it. Right. And so, like, do you see what I mean? Like, that is transmedicalist. That it, they're one and the same. But true scum seems to have like a little bit of like a softer take on it. Right. Not soft enough, but softer. Right. If right. That makes sense. I I think that makes sense, and I think that's very interesting because I know that like there are days of my life where if I could just be like, I'd like to wake up with a different body. That's fraught. Because, I feel like, like you wouldn't want to wake up as AFAB though. I mean, I think that that's a fraught question because what does waking up in the right quote unquote body right. mean? Like, am I suddenly, do I suddenly look like my mom or my sister? Am I suddenly like a sculpted bombshell? Like I have oh, always true. dreamed. Yeah, am true. I like, am I just me, but with different genitals? Like, what does that mean? That's a good point. I've come to really vibe with the shape, overall shape of my body, especially since I've been on hormones, admittedly. So mm-hmm. that has changed the shape of my body. Right. But like, not to the extent that it would have if I'd undergone, if I hadn't undergone a testosterone puberty first. Right. And like, would I not have a beard? I kind of like my beard. Right. You know, like, where where does that swap start? And That's a really good point. Because there is also a lot of misogyny wrapped up in trans medicalists, trans women. Yeah. That's a whole different episode, though. We're not going to dive too deep into that statement. You're just going to have to either trust me on it or ignore it. (laughs) Right, right. So I think that that is another, that is an interesting thing to take into consideration with this. Yeah, so that is, that is interesting. And similarly, and this is another thing that we're not going to dive too deep into (laughs) because this is another entire own episode. But from my understanding, similar to how a lot of like TERFs have a very, um, white supremacy focused view on what it is to be a woman. Yeah. My understanding is that transmedicalists often do too, because it often involves being like slim and the right kind of curvy and not having any hair. Well, even beyond that, because it involves so much interaction with the medical community. Do you know what the medical community does to non-white bodies? The rates of black women dying in hospitals is terrifying. Like legitimately terrifying. Right. Much less black trans women. And that's not to say that 
that is a 100% universally ubiquitous experience among every single individual. No. But it is a general trend. It is statistically a trend. And also, from what you have interacted with in the top surgery community around, like, we talked about it last week, it's very difficult to find doctors who will acknowledge the differences in healing between dark and light skin. Mm-hmm. Like, Especially on those nipples. Especially on those nipples. Because a lot of healing, like mile markers for nipples from what i understand i didn't get them so i didn't have this experience but from what i understand had to do with like the colors of scabbing and the return of color to your nipples but when i tell you that all of that is based on medical knowledge that happens on white skin so like your healing process is gonna be different than like the paperwork that you get if you have darker skin yeah so that times you know a billion like what does a what does a woman look like in a non-western or non-white context like what what is the goal and is that goal aligning with the standard medicalist ideals of what a quote-unquote ideal goal would be for an individual and also who has access to the medical complex in general right because like trans people are more likely to be homeless from a young age trans people are more likely to be un or underemployed trans people are more likely to have any number of economic struggles and like my top surgery was quote unquote cheap and i think we paid upwards of eight thousand dollars for the entire thing yeah so like <laughs> who has eight thousand dollars to just do Apparently and that we did <laughs> well we have generational white fucking privilege we do and like that's top surgery which was one of the cheaper gender affirming surgeries again phalloplasty is like three different surgeries yeah. who has time to take that time off work who has that money who has the people around them who are able to help them heal right so trans medicalism is definitely wrapped up in a lot of white supremacy also because to josie's point you need to be diagnosed with dysphoria who has access safe access to psychology i'm going to school for counseling i have a lot of opinions on that because psychology is a field that was created to prop up white men and put white women in insane asylums yeah and then it's just kind of progressed from there to prop up white men and women and put other people <laughs> in a same... Or like, medicate them. Or medicate them. That's the new version. So, like, yeah. who has safe access to a therapist? Right, right. And I do want to do a quick little disclaimer here because I don't know how into anti-racism work our listeners really are. When we say white supremacists, which we just kind of threw around a little bit casually there, mm-hmm. we do mean, like, a the systemic system we're not talking about the kkk we're not talking about the kkk we are talking about the systemic system that props up white centric culture and gives people like l and i our white privilege right and i mean again like we use the example of like healing markers being dependent on white skin like that happens all the time like the number of healing markers in medical care that are like if you're flushed or if it turns red (laughs) that's white supremacy right right anyway we've got on a little bit of a tangent that's okay just a little bit of a tangent (laughs) so but that is part of why this transmedicalist discussion is so much deeper and more nuanced and more important than maybe it seems like because if it was just like well we can ignore the transmedicalists because they just want to medicalize trans people and like maybe you don't even need medical intervention you can just identify as trans and you can just ignore the transmedicalists and you don't need anything or Maybe the trans medicalists have this opinion, but like most of the trans community doesn't. So you can still get top surgery if you don't have dysphoria. But like it's still there's like this insidious undercurrent to it that doesn't need to be. Well, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be considered. And also any arguments that you have where we can just like ignore a portion of the population. 
It's based in prison thinking. Josie and I are also prison abolitionists. That's a whole <laughs> nother episode right there. Um, Talk about that more in normal life, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But like, you can't just kick people out of society. We right. have to learn how to work with them. And speaking of that. Speaking of that. Yeah, I have I have a suggestion. Yeah. So what are how do you think that we could kind of bridge this bridge this disconnect between these two portions of the trans community right. because we are embattled enough as a community without dividing ourselves into these little camps true and I, I, first i just want to say that for the rest of the episode when i talk about true scum i'm not talking about true scum who don't believe in non-binary people or don't believe pe- binary trans people who aren't saving up for bottom surgery or invalid those are like those are the bigoted versions of this conversation they need a different we need a different um strategy to bring them back into the fold. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about people who emphasize their dysphoria, who believe that transness is based on dysphoria. Right. Because that is, that's a valid experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to, so to that point. And, and, and I will say, we've talked about that before too, that like every time we talk about just doing something because it makes you feel good, we've also like, we do yeah. give shout outs that like people experience these things in a People much more experience like, crippling dysphoria right like that is a very real experience of the trans community and we don't yeah. think that how we um, uh how we interact with our transition steps invalidate that but yeah. like but clearly they sometimes think it does right right that's the whole point so the r slash true scum definition is a respectful place for those who have been cast out of mainstream trans subreddits so like they feel like something about euphoria-driven transitions is invalidating their transitions. Right. And so how can we bridge that gap, do you think? So first off, whenever you have a problem like this, one of the best things you can do is look to the disabled community because the disabled community has solutions on fucking everything and they're constantly ignored. So in a different rabbit hole that I've been diving down recently, (laughs) I've been really interacting with the autism community, both online and in my real life. Maybe we'll talk more about that. I'm certainly not ready to talk more about it on this podcast yet, but stay Maybe tuned. Um, but I have been doing that. And on the like general r slash neurodiversity, which is like the big umbrella term that goes over most different ways of thinking, right? Autism, ADHD, DID, OCD, PTSD. Like I said, I've been diving into the ASD corner of the neurodiversity and disability communities but on their like main subreddit they have the system of tagging that i think is brilliant and that i think the trans community would vastly benefit from so they have a tagging system that you're supposed to tag your post with either an m a d or a b and those stand for medical difference or both mm-hmm. so okay this is the concept that i know of this especially in autism so i'm going to speak about it in autism it clearly applies to the general neurodiversity community. I'm just going to speak to what I've looked the most into. Especially autistic people have very different opinions and have different opinions at different times about whether or not they view their autism as a difference. So a different way of thinking, but not a disability, but not something to be fixed, but not something to be medicalized. It is just a different way that they exist. Right. That is why often autistic people 
prefer the language autistic people rather than people with autism Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it is just a difference. It's just something about them. It's not something that needs to be separated from them. So that's the difference. Then you could also tag it with medical with the M. And that means this is something that I wish didn't happen. This is something that I need medical intervention for. This is something that I wish I could fix or change or I need accommodations for or I need medical intervention for. This is something that I see as a disability. This is something I see as something that's medicalized about me that I need support from the medical community. Right. And then both. So sometimes you can be like, this is both a difference about me, but I still fucking need accommodations for it. Thank Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Um, I still need my insurance to cover my whatever accommodations my house might need. I still need my insurance to give me time off work. I still need disability checks, even though I think this is just a difference. So the way that I see this relating to the trans community is like, it is okay. It does not invalidate anybody for some people to be like, this is just a difference. This is just how I live. I'm just like too cute. I'm just like out here living. I don't really agree with the gender binary. So I identify as non-binary, even though I'm AFAB and super feminine and wear pink dresses every single day of my life. That can be a difference. Mm -hmm. And then there can be somebody who's like, I see my transness as a medicalized disorder. I have dysphoria that has been diagnosed. I can't get out of bed every goddamn day. I need insurance to pay for my top surgery today because I need this gone. Right. (laughs) And those don't have to invalidate each other. They're just different experiences. Right. And if we could like actually build language around like both of them being valid and like, and then being different. Like I think that the whole true scum community would feel less ostracized if we were like, hey, no, we do, we hear you. You're having a different experience. Like you are having a medicalized experience that you wish would stop. I've never experienced my non-binariness as something that I wish would stop. Right. (laughs) And I think that that is a very powerful thing to remember in the trans community is that there are a lot of different ways to be trans. Yeah. And the, both of these things come from a very similar spot. Yeah. Like, our non-cisness, our mm-hmm. transness, mm-hmm. comes from a fundamental disagreement with how the gender binary works. For me, it came from a fundamental disagreement with my AGAB yeah. and also a lot of other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it is euphoria-driven. Mm-hmm. I take a lot of joy in being feminine. I take a lot of joy in being a trans woman. Not right. just being a woman, but being a trans woman. It's taken a lot for me to get to that, sta- to right. that stage. But for other people, it's more pain-driven. Right. But those come from the same place of the current system of gender does not accommodate us. And I think that it's also acceptable for it to come from a place of, like, I fucking wish this didn't happen. Like, I feel like that's kind of taboo in our circles of the trans community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why true scum can feel ostracized. And again, I just really want to put in my disclaimer again that I'm not talking about like the bigoted trans medicalists. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, I'm talking about true scum who genuinely feel ostracized by the trans community. And I feel like a part of genuinely feeling ostracized is like, it's really not cool to say you don't want to be trans in our trans circles. It's really not cool to be like, I wish that instead of being a trans woman, I had just been born a fucking woman. Right. That's super not cool because that also, the, the way I said that, I said it specifically, sets up a difference between trans women and women. Right. And like 
that will get you ostracized in our circles of the trans community. And that sucks because like, it's also valid to be like, I see this as like a medical issue that I wish I didn't have. Right. (laughs) Like, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. I wish I was just a woman. And some of that I think is an issue of language. Like, it's really hard when our current system is set up to be like very much women and trans women. Mm -hmm. Like, there is a implied real before Mm -hmm. the women when you're just talking about women without talking about trans people and so if you're trying to be like i wish i was born a woman and somebody comes in your comments like you are a woman pew 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 stars (laughs) yeah and then they're like i'm not like i don't want to be in the body that i'm in i want to be a real woman and then somebody comes back like ah are you saying that we're not real women it's like no and yes we're yeah. talking about it we're, we're using a the same word to mean a different thing and i think that this does bring us back to the inherent misogyny because there is also an implied like if you're born as afab you just like magically are a perfect woman <laughs> and as somebody who is afab <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> womanhood takes a lot of work even if you have a vagina like a lot of work like so much work right so i think that gets back around the misogyny that's inherent but But there are ways to be gentler about it, you know? Like, I really don't have a problem with people being like, I don't think transness is an identity. I think it's a medical issue for me. If there isn't for me at the end of that sentence, fine. Like, that makes sense to me. If you're like, no, I was born with my body fucked up, i.e. the wrong agab, and now I need a shitload of medical procedures to make it right. And it sucks. And I see it the same way as if I'd been born with my heart fucked up and I had to get like a series of heart surgeries. Same thing. And I'm like, okay, as long as you understand that that's for you Mm -hmm. and there are people who don't agree with that, I think that's fine. And our community would do well if we could create language that had the implied for you. Because I think that's like, that's why looking to neurodiversity communities for clear communication tactics is a great choice. Um, And that's why they have like the tagging system so that people don't misunderstand. Like if you're here being like, God, I hate that like people, that the world isn't set up for me and my neurodiversity. And people are like, oh, here are some accommodations and some like drugs and some medicalized interventions. And you're like, wait, but I don't want to change. I want other things to change. I see this as a difference that should be accommodated by culture, not a medical issue. Right. Then you're going to have conflict. But if you had just been able to tag it in the beginning as, hey, I see this as a difference and I don't want medicalized advice, you'd avoid the conflict. Right. And in situations where tagging might not be, like, accessible, because Reddit tagging system is, like, a very, like, integrated into their platform. Yeah, you can search by tags. And, like, tagging on places like Tumblr or when you're talking to someone are (laughs) a little bit less obvious. But I think that being able to take a moment and both people like us being able to pause and be like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you, why does that, why are you saying it that way? Why do you feel that way? Yeah. And then the other person being in a place where they can be like, for me, for me, like, like (laughs) making space to have conversations that don't immediately go to one person is right. And one person is wrong. Right. And like, because transness is not, transness is not a monolith. Transness is not a monolith. There are going to be people who see it differently. There are a lot of different ways to be trans. And that is kind of beautiful. Yeah. It is. That's kind of the point. And like, again, like, I don't know. I keep harping on this because I think that part of my idea in this episode is creating a little bit of sympathy for, again, not trans medicalists, but like for people who see their transness as a medical issue and then have been ostracized from like the new growing too cute (laughs) movement. (laughs) And like, 
it would suck if you fucking see your transness as like something that's just going to cost you a bunch of money and make you inherently unsafe and require a bunch of medical procedures. And then people are like, men have tits too it's great 10 out of 10 and like that would be really that would that would be really invalidating that could that could really suck and i can also understand being very frustrated in a situation where like somebody's talking about like yeah i got a boob job because i thought it would be fun and Mm -hmm. i've been on hormones even though i don't really want to use she her pronouns and like being like, that's really nice for you. I'm so glad that you're able to just like flippantly access these things. I've been fighting tooth and nail my whole life to get them and I still haven't. Yes. And like that sucks. Like right. that's invalidating and we should build a system in which just everybody can have access to these things. Right. It, it, and again, I've been reading Normal Life. I would just like to point out that we already have a system that everybody can have access to these things. It's just only cis people. Did you know cis people can get, cis women can get facial hair removal covered by most insurance? Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's real. That's a thing. Can you just do that? Yeah. Yeah. But only but only cis women. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So reminds me of how you know <laughs> cis women need goddamn like six months of counseling to get a boob job. Yeah, but also they can't get their boob job covered by insurance. They can get their facial hair remover co- removal covered by insurance. I So our system's also just fucked. <laughs> right. And I mean like, <laughs> that's part note. of the problem. And that's part of the problem. And that's also something that I know a lot of people who are not necessarily inherently just transmedicalists, but people who are very stringent on the whole binary trans thing. Yeah. I mean, that is in a lot of ways a way to try and be like we deserve the same thing that cis people get because we're essentially cis just born in the wrong body. So you should cover our medical trans. And that y'all you all read normal life. But that comes back <laughs> to this whole idea of like a single identity change. So like the people who make arguments like that are usually white, middle class and up people who already have access to everything except things that are based on their trans. Um, right. This is what happened to the gay and lesbian movement. That's why we started with Stonewall and it was like good and led by black trans women and revolutionary. And then we ended with trying to get inclusion in the military. And marriage, which gay marriage really only helped people that already had health insurance so they could share health insurance with their spouse, their gay spouse. But like, who does that help? Middle class white gay people. So this is a whole different issue. But when we start only when we start talking about things that only help on one identity line, we've lost the thread. Right. <laughs> like right. we need to be helping on multiple identity lines. Which is why we should in, we should try and have this more integrative, yeah, yeah equitable language where mm-hmm. we can actually talk to people and be like, what do you need? Right. Like, what is it that you need to be fulfilled? Yeah. And give them that. And as a side note, just because like, this is the personal interaction that I've had with it. We need to do away with all concepts that somebody else getting gender affirming surgery is somehow taking away from you. Because I had somebody try to argue with me that me getting top surgery took away from trans men who had crippling dysphoria and i was like it doesn't that's not how the medical system works it's just not i'm sorry like, email dr Mosier. he'll he'll put you on his schedule like right i mean like and if you don't have the money for it does that suck yes do i try to give to most if not all funds that i see for top surgery since i got top surgery yes like but it's not my personal fault and like there seems to be this implication that like there's like a waiting list and by putting myself on the waiting list, I bumped off trans men who needed it more, which is not how it worked. I went on the bottom of the waiting list for my surgeon. 
anyway, this is just a little bit of a personal gripe, but like we need to do away with that because like that's just trans people fighting one another when really we need to be fighting the medical system that makes it so goddamn hard <laughs> to right. get top surgery. Like exactly. we could have more top surgeons. We could have more access. Don't fight me. Like fucking the system is fucked and I'm trying yeah. to fight it too. It's not like I'm like, oh, if you can't get top surgery, like that's your problem. You should try having been born white with wealth privilege. No, like I'm also trying to fight the system, but like we can't be attacking each other. Yeah, we can't be squabbling <laughs> in our own yeah. communities because yeah. it's the medical system is fucked. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you want to give a quick summary real quick? What is true scum? How do we talk to them in a more equitable and fair way so that nobody feels excluded? Yeah. So true scum are people who experience their transness differently, I think is kind of the summary, right? They experience their transness as a medical emergency often, right? They experience their transness as a medical issue that they just want fixed. And that's okay. So we should talk to them as though that's okay because it is. It's valid. We shouldn't allow them to invalidate us. This right. is a lot of us and them language, ugh. But we shouldn't allow uh, true scum arguments to invalidate us and our euphoria during transitions or just experiences. <laughs> but also we shouldn't allow our euphoria-driven experiences to invalidate their real experience of medicalized transness. Yeah. And we should support one another. Absolutely. And we should also all work together to tear down the medical system. <laughs> <laughs> And also, we should all go read Normal Life by Dean Spade. It'll help in all of those goals. (laughs) All right. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week on Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, Elle. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Didn't think you were going to get a book recommendation this episode, but (laughs) ha ha! Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon. Bye.